Diverge in the Woods, and I, I took the path that led to Thondia. Welcome to the Path to Story podcast, the Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast. Join us for a whole lot of lore and more here in the Mortal Realms. Paul, I've got something to say. Uh Uh-oh. Get away and push thy backside under a raptorix nest, ye ill-favored scoundrel. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I might get some egg on my face if I do that. I'm kind of okay with it, I think. I'm not sure it's going to go on your face, but all right. <laughs> Fair. You know what I have to say to you, Will? Get away and roast thy head in the celestial void, you insipid rat. Oh. Which, to me, it'd be really impressive if you did that, because the celestial void is actually known for being super cold. So if you could start a fire, like, I'd actually be pretty impressed. Not going to lie. Yeah, yeah. It would be a, a, a deed worthy of Sigmar. <laughs> you know, uh, there's somebody we're not insulting today. And it feels like maybe because we're doing something a little different today. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. We don't have Spencer with us because we're outside of our normal hours. Ooh. Uh-oh. Is this like, it's not late night or something like that, right? We're still going to be like family friendly and like stuff, right? Oh, of course. We All just, right. instead of talking about our lore and our narrative, mm. we're going to do a special review episode. Ooh. Of what? That's a great question. What could we possibly be reviewing if not the new Season of War book, Thondia? Season of War, Thondia. This is phenomenal. I am so mm. glad we have uh, so graciously been giving a copy by Games Workshop to go over. Thank you. Because thank you. it, one, it's narrative, which is our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And also like our salami and our cheese, like literally everything in the sandwich. It's the whole sandwich. It's the whole sandwich. I I don't even want a sandwich unless it has narrative in it. Not going to lie. Of course. If there's not a story to your sandwich, then what are we doing? Why are you even eating it? Like, then it's just like a hot dog. I mean, come on. (laughs) That's the real hot takes in the AOS community. (laughs) Hot dog is a sandwich. (laughs) exactly all right I'll, I'll stop talking so you can like actually talk and be intelligent as opposed to me being intelligent <laughs> never never once <laughs> don't put that shame on me um yeah so we are gonna go through uh some of the rules especially the narrative rules for a season of war Thondia, and how you can use that in your own narrative games uh mm-hmm. specifically your Path to Glory games. I know we're going to use this book a lot because our story takes place in Gur, and we have just been given the gift of a super Gur-related rule set. Exactly. So since we don't have Spencer here, we're actually not going to be like trying to talk to about this from a beginner's perspective, are we? We'll try as much as we can, but that's only because uh, I think the system speaks for itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Uh, we're probably not going to stop and explain certain lore tidbits or reiterate too much about certain rules. Um, cause this is for the people who are already playing path of glory that want to know, uh, what they could use this new book for. Exactly. So if you don't know what Gur is, I'm not going to tell you, I mean, Will might, cause he's a nice guy, but like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> it's- I, I have a feeling it's going to come up naturally. People will get a, a good understanding of GER just based on the rules we have in front of us. Exactly. 
All right. So uh, are we going to start with what? What are we even going to start with here, Will? We're going to start uh, with the new core rule Ooh. and the new, like, entire new mechanic and feature brought to Age of Sigmar, which is Kronspine and the Incarnates. Ooh. A new ska band coming to you. Ooh. <laughs> Never had to Kronspine. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so, um, we are adding a new incarnate, which is super cool. Um, what are the incarnates again? Like, do we, like, wait, have we had incarnates again, before? We did not have incarnates before. We've had spells made manifest, and now we have the realms themselves made manifest through realmstone and, well, just... Alariel doing her right of life and making everything alive. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Um, so that's that pretty new model that everybody's seeing running around in the previews, right? I say it's the, yeah, it's the big dragon skeleton swirling around another skull. <laughs> it is the amber bone heart of Gur. Yes. So cool, cool, cool. Um, we were lucky enough to actually be able to get in the game with Kronspine. Um, and you'll hear about that in one of our other episodes, but we can tell you, like, oh my goodness, he's a lot of fun. And oh my goodness, like, it definitely switches up the game quite a bit. Would you agree, Will? Oh, yeah. Um, I, for our notes, I said, what does Kronspine bring to the table? It brings damage. Mm -hmm. And it brings a lot of changes to the battlefield. Mm -hmm. uh, it does things like you can't retreat you have to attack it it really is the epitome of gur the realm of beasts Aha, i told them oh, um, by no. making everything savage <laughs> exactly um which seems to be a theme to this book in general right like yeah. everything is supposed to be a little bit more savage because we're in thondia um, which is where the lore is taking us right now um if i were to describe it in kind of like a quick one sentence summary I'd be like, all right, so take that endless spell, but like pump it up to 11. And you kind of got Kronspine um, because you mm -hmm. still have to like have somebody who's in charge of it, right? Yeah. Um, but just like in the spells, you can have rogue endless spells, uh, but you can have rogue incarnates, which is what some of the cool scenarios are that we'll talk about in a bit. Um, but you have to bond it to a specific character, and that character still has to be uh, not a named character, which is kind of an interesting yeah. thing, right? Yeah, because it's a it's a unique enhancement, mm -hmm. and um, it counts as an ally for your army. But if you take Kronspine as an ally or any other incarnate, which leaves a lot open, um, but there may be other things going on besides just Kronspine, um, you cannot take any more allies, right? Correct. Yeah. So. Um, Kronspine is a lot of fun. We're not going to go through and be like, he does this many attacks and this much wounds and everything. You can find that out in the book. Yeah. Um, and you will have your own fun with it. Um, needless to say, though, this uh, this model and kind of this background is really what drives the book forward. Uh, we get a super cool, um, long bit of narrative talking about exactly this idea. Mm -hmm. And we introduce... Uh, we introduce Kronspine to the narrative. Um, so if you want to understand why all this is here, like definitely read the lore in this book because it's kind of fun. 
yeah, it was definitely a good read. Uh, I really got a better understanding of some of the characters in it um, mm-hmm. who I thought were going to be like paper thin, but yep. they, they really fleshed a lot ah, of stuff ah, out. It's a book. They're going <laughs> to be paper thin. I wish um, I thought of that. <laughs> you did. You totally did. He totally did. Yes. Folks. I'll go back and edit it. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but the other thing is that this is totally exactly after what happened um, in the events of Dominion, right? So, yeah, so the Amberstone Watch, mm-hmm. this is exactly right after that, dealing with the same characters. So it's almost just like, you know, Dominion Part D. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure people will uh, talk about the lore mm-hmm. and a lot about the rules for this thing and their separate lore or match play shows. Mm-hmm. But we're here for the narrative. We are here for the narrative. And we're here specifically for the narrative rules and the path to glory. Yes, I would say before I move on past Cronspine, I just wanted to say one cool thing he, he, they, it, uh, does is it can eat endless spells. Ooh, sweet. So I wanted to move forward with what can the incarnate do in your path to glory? Paul, how would you use this? And if, would you build an army around this? Would you add this to an existing army? How would you want to implement an incarnate? Well, um, there is a quest coming up that'll deal with uh, the incarnate. So I would probably build up an existing uh, order of battle and then I would go on a quest. Uh, But one of the things that's super interesting is that because you can't take allies, that's not something that applies to your order of battle. That actually applies to your roster for the battle Mm -hmm. itself. So if you take Cronspine in your Path to Glory games, you're going to stop yourself from being able to take other allies. So it really is going to be a, do I get all my toys in one basket or do I need to actually make some choices? With Cronspine, you actually need to make some choices. So it it's the first thing that's actually like, okay, we told you how to make an order of battle. We told you how to do the rosters. Go to town and have fun. Oh, by the way, this is actually a limitation on how you build your army lists mm-hmm. that we didn't give you before, which is super cool. I mean, yeah. I, I enjoy being creative within the rules that already exist and giving us um, the order of battle and the rosters gave you a specific type of creativity. And this is an altogether completely different type of creativity that I'm super excited to figure out. Yeah, that's a great point. Like you... You can definitely have one game with some allies over here and then a different game where you can't have those allies because you want to bring Cronspine. You do have to build a narrative around it a bit. Yep. Yeah. Which is super fun. Yeah. One thing I was thinking of is since Cronspine eats endless spells of building a path to glory force of spell hunters who like you could use the Galen and Duralia Vendensen models or just any type of folks who you think would be anti-spell and create a party of folks who try to bring Cronspine to heal so they can be better spell hunters. I like that a lot. That'd be a super fun theme for a Path to Glory, Order of Battle, or Roster, or both. All of the above. All of the above, not gonna lie. Super cool. (laughs) All right, moving on from Cronspine we now have some new rules of playing games in Thondia itself. Thondia. And what's neat is that there's not too many additional things. Um, we have 
realm sphere magic with the metamorphosis spell which i think is part of the uh ghb focused in gur uh, but we have mm-hmm. it here as well yep there's a new uh, command ability uh that anyone can use yeah we even have a new mysterious terrain table which mm-hmm. is super narrative each of these things listed here are like mentioned in the book in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think just really brings the realm to life. I know yeah. we used a few of them in our game, Paul. Is there anyone mm-hmm. that you thought uh, was cool that you wanted to talk about? Well, uh, the the weeds, the thistle puff. I, I am blanking on the name. <laughs> the barbed snifferweed spheres? Yes, the barbed snifferweed <laughs> spheres. Exactly. <laughs> Um, those are legit, just like the old 40k terrain where you took a foam ball and then you stuck toothpicks in it and then <laughs> you flocked it. Like that's now an official thing, um, and you can use it for your terrain, which sounds amazing. Uh, so I, I would totally be down for watching that happen. Yeah, uh, and my I picked mine for a similar reason. It's the thrashing gnarled oak roots, mm-hmm. which. I think it's been as long as we've known about Gur, we've known that like even the trees will try to eat you. Yep. And now we have rules for it. The trees are going to try to eat you up, uh, mm-hmm. pull you under, and they deal damage to you, which is great. Yeah. Like, I mean, if if we're going to use points of reference that we have here in the U.S., right? Like, this is holy havoc. This is like oh, yeah. their terrain rules, but put into um, AOS proper. Uh, th- <laughs> there's a lot of that like, oh, yeah. The terrain's going to kill you, BT dubs, right? Like, it's going to actually do a lot of damage, and it's going to have a super big impact on how you actually play your game, um, which I am all in for. Um, we've gotten so many different ways of playing at this point that it's super cool. Um, I'd like to point out one small little thing that I thought was really cool, and you kind of, like, hinted at it, but I think it was a mm. an intentional design decision that they've made is that you were talking about how, oh, they added this thing. That's also in the battle pack for the GHB, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't need the GHB anymore to make that part of your Path to Glory thing because yep. you have a completely different way of playing now. And this book incorporates some of the match play ideas, ideas and some of the, um, the GHB for 2021 rules into proper straight up past the glory battle packs. And this is a lever that I was really hoping they were going to pull with battle <laughs> packs. And I'm super happy that they have um, because to a certain extent, the battle pack for the GHB for match play got a ton of super fun narrative rules. Oh yeah. That when you play past the glory, those aren't actually in the rule pack. Nope. But, you know, turns out you sit, you wait six months, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, no, no, no. You get to play with those rules, too, because those rules are fun and they add a ton of flavor. So I'm wondering, like, how much we're going to be able to expect this going forward. But also just like, like I said, like, this is super fun lever to be able to pull. And it future proofs no matter what happens at the GHP, we still can play in Fondia. Oh, and, and by the way, here's all the ways that you do that without needing any other books. Yeah. Super fun. Well, and it's... It's funny that you say future-proof stuff that's in the GHBs because this book pulls a few other things from past GHBs that people mm-hmm. thought were extinct. Yep. Um, and 
we're going to get to that later in the episode. Exactly. And then the last uh, bit of rules that's specific to Thandia is uh, a nice big one, which is monstrous denizens. Mm-hmm. We now have wild monsters. Yep. And it is great. The way this works is you can pick one monster and incarnate, just like Kronspine, can count as this monstrous denizen. That's how we interact with Kronspine in our game. He was mm-hmm. feral and wild. And at the beginning of each battle round, you will roll off uh, against your opponent. The winner gets to control that monster for the turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it this is actually something that they kind of played with in previous editions of Warhammer Fantasy Battle and something I'm super pumped to see come back in because it, it really allows you to let go a little bit of the match play um, mindset. When you're like, okay, somebody's literally going to get an extra 400-point monster to kind of just do whatever they want to. Mm-hmm. I guess we're just going to have fun and figure out what happens, <laughs> and that's going to be the game. And it, it's one of those signifiers that really helps you to to make sure everybody knows we're playing narrative. Oh, by the way, if you don't understand, we're playing narrative. We're not playing match play. We're playing narrative. It's not going to be fair, and that's kind of okay because, quote, we're playing narrative, right? So they're they're doing a great job of reinforcing what they've kind of already said um and setting up for some really fascinating um books coming up front like this book more than anything makes me go so what else are they going to bring back how else are they going to do this stuff so super super pumped it is going to be very intriguing to see how we do this if we get like other con like other realms other areas mm-hmm. the amount of levers they're giving us to pull is awesome yeah. Also, I, I can't pass up the fact that I just mentioned uh, Mr. Steve Herner and his Holy mm-hmm. Havoc events with all these terrain rules that kind of kill you. I, I kind of have to mention Alex Gonzalez and the Screw City GT, where he lets you just bring an extra monster for <laughs> your game that wasn't included in the bat. Like, there's a lot of what we do in the Midwest that's reflected in the, in the idea. Um, and we were doing it in, in match play, and it's fun to see that put on the table again in narrative. So it, it's, I'm super excited to see how this all is going to play out. It's the, the narrative Midwest. Mm-hmm. We, we prove that it can work so that GW makes it work. Yeah. Best coast, Michigan Lake coast. <laughs> uh, Mi- Midwest is mid best. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> all right. So those are all technically core rules. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to slowly <laughs> move to the narrative rule set i'm Mm -hmm. i've got the book in my hand uh we're not going to talk too much about open play Mm -hmm. except to say that you can always do open play battles as a part of your path to glory and Mm -hmm. the the victory conditions and the twists and the root like everything they have in open play is so good at setting the scene of mm-hmm. fighting a battle in Gur, and I really recommend uh, people take a look at it and either think about doing open play or even taking things from like the twist table mm-hmm. and adding it to their their path to glory games because it is phenomenal. Oh, absolutely! I mean, like this is one of those things where um, Will and I just ran the Gibbering Dome at Adepticon, and there was only one rule that we added to the actual gameplay mm-hmm. itself. 
Um, and that was something that I, I made up specifically for the Gibbering Dome just to be like, hey, this is a signifier. This is how we're playing. You pick any one of these ruses, any one of these twists, and make that the central theme of your battle pack. And you've got your own narrative battle pack going to run an event for. Like, it again is a toolbox. And open play is really this fantastic toolbox that allows you to have all these different things to choose from. Now, if you're playing narrative, you might want to actually pick the, the choices right. instead of rolling for it. Um, but again, it's just one more tool in your toolbox to help you to tell your narrative. So it's just fantastic. But now we're going to go over to our the rest of our actual sandwich, the <laughs> new Thondia Path to Glory Battle Pack. Yep. Uh, again... A lever I was hoping they were going to pull, and oh boy, howdy, did they. Oh, they did. Um, so a battle pack is functionally a layer of rules that gets sandwiched on top of the core rules in the core rulebook, or they're reprinted in the GHP as well. Um, mm-hmm. So basically, the core rules are going to be the bread of that sandwich, and the battle pack's kind of the meat. Um, and then the realm rules are kind of the flavor, so like maybe the mustard and the mayo... And I got nothing for the cheese. But you kind of get that that's the metaphor <laughs> at this point. Uh, we might actually have something for the cheese later on. Oh, okay. Sounds good. One interesting thing I saw about this paddle, this battle pack, um, and this is the first time I saw this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had even flipped through. It, it says in the book, you can use this battle pack as well as or instead of mm-hmm. any other Path to Glory battle packs. Boom, baby. So you can combine this with the existing Path to Glory battle pack or mm-hmm. any future battle packs. If you want to have a, a battle that is somehow tied to Thondia, and then I'm going to use Shamon uh, as an example. If they release a Season of War Shamon later on. Shamon! Um, I'll stop now. Right. <laughs> no, never stop. Um <laughs> Like there's a way for you to to merge these things together because for the most part, the battle pack isn't too different from what we see. We Mm -hmm. have specific battle plans. uh, We have the terrain and there's only one new special rule Mm -hmm. for this battle pack called beast slayer, Mm -hmm. which is if a hero kills a monster, they can issue the all-out attack command for free in that phase, even if you've already used it, which Mm -hmm. is interesting and why I'm glad you can add these packs together Mm -hmm. because the original battle pack has the withdrawing from battle special rule. Mm -hmm. So if you just play Thondia and you don't use the original battle pack, you technically can't withdraw. Which kind of makes sense Yeah, with the way (laughs) when we play the Incarnate, right? (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh hey yeah. bt dubs if you're next to the incarnate you can't actually decide that your game is over and i'm giving up at this point because i'm going to try and save my guys mm-hmm. because in gur no you fight to the end yeah, and you fight to it. kill all the things right um super fun super flavorful and uh, uh, yeah super yeah. enjoyable for me to, <laughs> to watch this go forward <laughs> Uh, I thought you were going to say super enjoyable for you to watch me not survive. <laughs> I mean, that was super fun too, but like that's kind of spoilers for our, our upcoming episodes. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> um, but I also love 
that you you can combine it with the other battle pack. So mm-hmm. you you have those previous special rules available to you. Now, mm-hmm. I I may have lied just a little bit. Uh oh. When I said that there is only one change to this battle pack, but mm-hmm. but this battle pack gives us something that we have been yearning for ever since the core rulebook came out and we first learned about Path to Glory. All right, don't keep me in suspense. Carry on, my wayward son. We now have outposts. Oh, oh what? Outposts. <laughs> it's it's been it's been twelve years. It's it's been twelve long years. Um. Yeah, it, it's great. Everyone's been trying to figure out what these outposts were, what we mm-hmm. could do with them. I promise we weren't laughing behind your back. I promise that wasn't a thing we were doing. We'll Definitely never not. tell them that I was literally actually laughing behind their back. <laughs> no, it wasn't a thing that we were doing. Um, but <laughs> like, the, the cool thing is, this was actually a lever that I was going to pull for Jibbering Dome. But I was like, uh, I don't want to make a rule that actually doesn't exist. So, like, I'm totally psychic, except I never wrote it down. So I'm just a charlatan. <laughs> um, but the way that Outpost works, is it okay if I talk about this, Will? I was going to ask you to, please. Yeah. So the way that Outpost works is when you are winning a major victory in Fondia. So BT Dubs, you've got to actually win a major victory. Can't which, relate. Yeah. It's actually not <laughs> yeah. a major victory. It's just a victory. Oh, is it just a victory? All right. Well, I lied there. I sincerely apologize. <laughs> I will do my best not to lie again. Um, but you have to win a victory. And if you win a victory, then you can roll on the territories table, of which there are six new territories for Gur. Mm-hmm. But no matter which territory that you roll on, if you choose to win that territory and pay those 10 glory points to buy it, then that territory for you becomes an outpost of Gur. And as long as you keep that territory, then that actually buys you in to a whole extra set of special rules for the aftermath phase. Now, I will note, um, we did go through this with Spencer. Um, uh, uh, Not that there's any spoilers, uh, but you have to actually get the territory before you can start doing the cool stuff. And so, if you've done the aftermath phase before, the territory happens kind of late in the aftermath. And then the cool stuff kind of happens mostly the next time that you start rolling. So, Paul, mm-hmm. if I have a Thondian outpost, do I, have, do I only have access to this cool stuff if I continue playing using this Thondia battle pack? You know what? That's a really good question, Will. And I'm going to answer your question with an answer, mm. which is No. You don't. Oh my God. Once you claim a territory and it becomes an outpost, if you keep that territory on your order of battle, you will always have access to all these special cool things. Hey, I hear you saying, wait a minute, what cool things do I get if I have an outpost? Will, I'm impatient. Will you tell me, please? I Okay. <laughs> what you have access to are special Thondia veteran abilities. Whoa, what? Yeah, and we're going to get into what all of these are later. But you have specific veteran abilities, a new type of ability called Prime Monster Abilities. Prime Monster Abilities. That sounds pretty sweet and very good. You unlock the special Thondia Territories. Thondia Territories. And you can 
launch special scouting expeditions into Thandia. Which, I know it's probably one of the simplest things, but I love this. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, when we get there, it'll be super fun to talk it's about. It's so great. Because it, it's the most, like, old hammer part of rule writing <laughs> I've seen in quite a while, and it's absolutely fantastic. It, it really is. Like, uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, All right. But before we continue to what some of these special things are, one thing I wanted to point out that's pretty great is you only ever need the one Thondian outpost. Mm -hmm. But you can have multiple outposts. With your mm -hmm. starting stronghold, you get one. If you upgrade to an imposing, you can have two. Mm -hmm. And then three outposts if you have a mighty stronghold. So yeah. right now, there isn't much of a difference except you can go and start homebrewing your own outposts with all these different things. Mm -hmm. And it's also going to be super cool based on the future battle packs to see mm -hmm. how people's armies change based on the fact that they have an outpost in Thandia with access to this GUR specific upgrades. And then mm -hmm. if they have an outpost in Shimon and they have those realm of metal specific upgrades to see how that, army they started with transforms based on what they have access to mm -hmm. so uh, let me paint you a picture here will please do right so uh we've heard just bickham we've heard all these other gw employees uh wade uh price is one of the people that's the most prevalent because he's on uh the warhammer live stream where they do hang out and hoppy and he's talked about how we have this new thing in age of sigmar that we never had before in warhammer fantasy battle which is that because we have a moving narrative, we have these storyline moments and we, if we've been lucky, we've been able to play in them, right? right. So we've been talking about uh, the season of war for Thandia, but there was actually a season of war in Age of Sigmar before called Firestorm, which is a campaign Ooh. setting. And then we also had another season of war which is a worldwide campaign, simultaneous campaign all across the world for three, what were called seeds of hope. It was a seeds of hope campaign. And I, I don't know if you can tell me, Will, but like, do you recognize the name Greywater Fastness? I do. How about Phoenicium? Oh, yes. Everyone knows Phoenicium. How about Anvil Guard? Never heard of it. Oh, okay. Well, Harkiron. How about Harkiron? Oh, well, yeah, Harkiron. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, before Harkiron, there was Anvil Guard. And if you were playing Age of Sigmar in mm -hmm. the first couple of years, mm -hmm. there was a worldwide campaign where you actually fought to determine what happened to these cities of Sigmar that were called Seeds of Hope. And you know what? Whatever the players' results were, that defined how the game and the narrative and the lore impacted these cities of sigmar Ooh. now take take your like way back machine off for a minute and let me talk to you super quick i promise it's not going to be a long delay about 40k because normally i don't that? do this because 40k is not really in my wheelhouse um just because i'm totally a fantasy guy but i am all in on narrative and mm -hmm. 40K has this super awesome narrative system, but it's not called Path of Glory. It's called Crusade, Ooh. right? So when they do Crusade games, 
they also have these things that aren't battle packs, right? But it's called like the Nachman campaign. Have you heard about this? I have, yes. Yeah, and before that, there was another campaign before, and before that, there was another campaign before. And they have this really cool thing in Crusade where you can actually send your forces to fight where the narrative is at this point in time. And you know what? This weird thing happens where if you send your forces to go fight where this narrative is happening, you can get specific artifacts and specific weapons that you can only earn if you went and fought at this point in time in this campaign. Which interesting. Now, hold on a minute. We're talking about veteran abilities, territories, and prime monster abilities that are only available if you fight in Thondia. And specifically, you get to have the cool new stuff if you fight at this moment in time for the lore in Age of Sigmar. Doesn't that kind of sound familiar? It does. It w- Once you lay it out like that and hold my hand and walk me to the dots, yeah, I can see the thread. I mean, you always pull your hand away, Will, and I always feel left out. So thank you for letting me guide you through this one because, like, this is super important. Like, we're actually able to make our armies play through the narrative, and then we get souvenirs of playing through the narrative. And our armies get to say, I was there when. And I know mm. that makes me a complete dork, that that's one of the most exciting things <laughs> that I can imagine for playing Warhammer. But oh my goodness, am I a complete dork? Because that sounds amazing, right? It, like, it really does. Yeah. So that's the lever that they're pulling here. And oh my goodness, am I there for it every single freaking day of the week? Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to dive into the lore of this book too much, but like it really is a sequel. To, like you said, it's Dominion Part Two, Part D, and oh my god, it really shows you the aftermath of the that that battle for Am- Amberstone Watch that took mm-hmm. place in the Dominion box set. It, yeah. Yeah, there's like new new maps of Gur that kind of just show you everything that's happened mm-hmm. um, since Kragnos. Yeah, and literally like, oh, can... hey, this is the moment. Now here, yeah. watch where everybody went and where everything happened from that since specific moment in time that you know everything about, and this is how it happened and why. Yep, <laughs> and you can say, I was there. I fought yeah. the battle for Amberstone Watch. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, Oh my goodness, is this super exciting to tie in? And then not only if you care about the lore, but also you you get to play in this moment. And so when you play Path the Glory games with other players, you're not only playing at this moment in time, but you're telling them this is what the Age of Sigmar is right now. Right? Oh, hey, right. I want to play a game. I'm going to use the paddle pack for Thondia, okay? Oh, sure. I've never played Thondia. What is that? Othandi is actually this continent in Gur, and we have a battle pack for it right now. So it means that right now, it's right after the Amberstone Watch. So we're like, Dominion 2, the incarnate Boogaloo. And like, let me tell you (laughs) how this totally works and how everything is moving forward. And yeah, like super fun, awesome, great, fun times. God, it's it's just great. (laughs) Did I just blow your mind? I mean, just like the book blow my mind. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I will um, allow the GW writers to have more ability to impact you <laughs> than me. That is, that is valid and fair, and I'll allow it. 
You will give them permission. I will give them permission. <laughs> it's okay for this moment in time. Um, moving forward ever so slightly, mm-hmm. um, because that that really all there is for Outpost. It mm-hmm. just is an unlocking mechanism for other cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the other cool stuff, um, I just want to briefly talk about the quests that take place in Thondia. Mm-hmm. You do not need to have an outpost to go on these Thondian quests, which will be exciting for folks when they Mm -hmm. see what they are. The Ah, first one we had hinted at, Mm -hmm. which is the incarnate. Mm -hmm. If you want to add a crown spine incarnate to your army, this is the quest you need to go on to do so. Mm -hmm. Because you can't just buy him. Nope. You need to actually play into him. Which, super fun way of actually engaging again in the narrative. And, like, he is not a bound creature. You actually have to go seek him out and make him, make you, your army, worth his while. And it's great because the idea is, it's not even your army. It needs to be the hero that is binding Kronspine. And the way to get this is you need your hero to kill other people's heroes. <laughs> So they need to prove their worth in order to unlock an incarnate of Gur. Yep. Super fun. Um, and the second quest, mm, yes. this delves into uh, something we're going to talk about a little bit. Of, uh, and, all right. Are you sitting down, Will? I am. I think you need to have a firm grip on your armrests. Oh, God. Okay. All right. Because you know what you get to do with the next quest? What? You get to design and then go after and catch an anvil of apotheosis hero that you designed yourself to add to your order of battle. I mean, like, yeah. Is your mind blown now? But, but Paul. What? There is an anvil of apotheosis in third. There is now. Oh my goodness. There is now. We're back into it. Like, and not only is it a ready anvil of apotheosis, but it's actually been slightly updated. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's been uh, Guravized, if I may be so bold. Um, We're definitely going to get into (laughs) the ins and outs of Anvil of Apotheosis later. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing for this quest is when you make a a standard Anvil of Apotheosis hero, you get your standard 20 points or 40 points to build them out. Mm -hmm. Here you can do increments of five. What? Starting Wait. at 10. So Wait, 10, what? 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. And you essentially set that point limit when you go on your quest. And once you complete the quest, you just get that hero for free in your order of battle. You don't need to spend the glory like you would for any other hero. Wait, wait. So what you're telling me, Will, is when they first released Anvil of Apotheosis... Everybody said, this is super cool, but you've put limits on how many points I have to spend. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't really want to spend 100 points or 200 points on my my uh, hero, right? Or however many it is, right? I want to actually do like smaller incremental things. You mean they actually listened to us? And then they, they said, hey, cool. You want to do that? Here's the mechanics for being able to do that. But you got to play into it. You can't just like decide this is my cool stuff now. You actually have to like play into getting that character. Is that what I'm hearing? 
Now that's exactly what you're hearing. And you're also hearing that if you do want to do that max power, super strong, awesome hero, you're going to have to earn it. And you're going to have to put the work in. Yeah, you're you're going to have to put a lot of games in to get that hero. I think it's, yeah, you need to get like eight quest points to max out your hero. Yep. It, it is not a small amount. No, it, it, it's definitely going to take multiple, multiple games. So we've got to the quests, which is mm-hmm. one of the most exciting things for me because it really, again, it, it tells us kind of a little bit of the direction that they're going, but it also gives us um, an insight into how their design philosophy is really allowing us to bend into this narrative and create some really sweet stories Oh yeah, of what's going on right now. Well, and it's interesting because if you had like told me when I first got the core rule book and first did Path to Glory that the next big supplement would only have two quests, I, I would have right? been a little disappointed. But these these two quests paired with what outposts give you mm. is more than enough. It, oh, it really yeah. does change how you conduct your Path to Glory. Mm-hmm. Let me put it to you this way, right? If you've been playing Path to Glory since 3.0 dropped and you've gone all in and you've done all the quests and you've done all the scenarios, right? And you're like, no, no, no. I know Path to Glory inside and out. I know exactly what's going on. You know what? Now you don't. Yep. This is a complete whole nother layer of rules that really change a lot of how Path to Glory works and how you're going to look at Path to Glory in the future. And, you know, for somebody who plays narrative, to me, it's just like, oh, my story just got a massive plot twist. Mm-hmm. How do I approach this plot twist? This is super fun and cool and engaging. Yeah, like you you thought you knew the mechanics. So speaking of what outposts unlock and these different twists, I think we can start talking about these Thondia veteran abilities. Ooh. Uh, there is a lot of them, and I thought, mm-hmm. Paul, we each could just kind of pick one that calls out to us Yeah, uh, and talk about it. Do you so, have any in mind? Yes. Savage Instinct. Mm. This is only cool because this, again, is something new and fun. Um, so a veteran ability, for those who aren't in the know, is something that you only get um, when you gain a certain amount of renown for the unit in question. And it must be a unit. It can't be a hero. And if you get, say, five renown, I don't know if that's the exact number. It totally mm-hmm. is the exact number. It is. Then you're allowed to get a veteran ability. And Savage Instinct says if a unit is charged, then this unit gets strike first for that combat phase. Oh, that's super fun. Mm-hmm. And this is definitely something we didn't have ability to get before. So I'm all in on that. One I really love is experienced rangers. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you're a veteran of surviving in Gur. Mm-hmm. So what it allows you to do is that at the start of the first hero phase of the first battle round, this unit can make a normal move or run. It's not your hero phase. It's at the start of the game, this unit gets to scout ahead. Yeah. Which is super nice. Like, I literally read these veteran abilities and were like, I want all of these for my Living City Army. It's like right. they read my Living City Army and said, how do you want to be able to add rules to make your army cooler? And then they just wrote them. <laughs> so the veteran units get to have their fun. But mm-hmm. this is Gur. This is the realm of beasts. Mm-hmm. So why don't monsters get their fun? You said it again. 
but I didn't have to say it. So it's okay. It totally works. You know, Will, they do get to have their fun. You know what their Ooh. fun is called? What? Prime monster abilities. Prime monster abilities. What are they, Paul? So prime monster abilities are something that basically gives you a veteran ability for your monster. Because, you know, why not? It's a super right. cool monster. It should totally get a veteran ability. So um, this is kind of fun. My, my favorite one for here is crushing bulk, right? If it's a monster, it's going to be super huge. And you can you can fly if it retreats, but then enemies oh, yeah. it flies over can suffer damage. Awesome! Like that's such yes, a good one. Yes, and please give me that because that sounds amazing. How about you, Will? Uh, I'm going to go with the scent of blood. Uh, it's it's just like a shark feeding frenzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're fighting someone that already has wounds allocated to them you get a bonus to hit will hit rolls and wound rolls. Uh, and it's just that idea of Gur being savage and the strong preying on the weak. Nice. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, more flavor, more interesting things. Um, so then if we're going to move on from yep. the prime monster abilities, then we can talk about the Fondia territories. Yeah. All right. So we'll, how about I give you first choice here? First choice. Well, you know, I have to do the cool stuff, which is the grasping bogs. I love this. It, this territory is literally a swamp. It really is connected to the the narrative in the book, uh, why this is here. But I also, like in part of our area, I have the swallowing bogs in our little spot of Gur. So I love seeing the cool thoughts I have being mirrored in how Games Workshop sees Gur. Mm-hmm. Uh, what this does is you can send someone to search for stuff in the bogs and you have to make a delve roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a bonus to the roll if the unit is a hero. But what happens is if you roll poorly, you either make an injury roll or you suffer casualties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also a chance if you roll well to get glory points or glory points and an artifact. Mm-hmm. So you're really risking the troops to go in and get stuff. And I know this is similar to the storm bolt that yes. you have as cities of Sigmar, mm-hmm. but they really gave it some narrative flavor to it. Oh, and then totally. if you upgrade it, mm-hmm. uh, it's that your people have explored it enough that they get, they can re-roll. So mm-hmm. they have a better chance of getting through this. Yeah. Well, and, and the fun thing for me is that you're absolutely right. Like this reminds me of a storm bolt, but it's slightly different. And it's mm-hmm. it's definitely much more narrative towards Gur. But a storm bolt is something that we only got for Cities of Sigmar and we got in the White Dwarf update. Yep. So it's fun to see these translated into something that all the armies can do because that's a super fun ability that can really add a lot of flavor to your story. So um, my favorite is actually grinding mountains. Ooh. Um, so you have to make a grinding mountain roll. <laughs> you roll a die on a one. You downgrade one of your Gur territories. If it was upgraded, it ain't upgraded anymore. At a four plus, you gain <laughs> glory. So what this represents in the lore is that in Gur, the continents actually eat each other. 
because even the continents are infested by this bestial nature. And I love on a one, you literally <laughs> lose all your upgrades because it just got eaten. But on a four plus, yeah. cool stuff happens. Like, super fun. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, the continents are eating things, so your own territories are eating each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't want your own territories eating each other? Right? Nobody. It's fantastic. Nobody wants your own territories <laughs> eating each other. But still, it's super cool and narrative. Uh, so if we're going to move narrative. on from territories to another, like, this is brand new. Brand like, new. Not like, oh, this is kind of a cool thing. Like, Prime Monster Abilities was brand new. And this is Scouting Expeditions, which is brand mm-hmm. new. You remember how you were talking about the Storm Vault? Yeah. Imagine if the Storm Vault was like, oh my goodness, like a <laughs> bunch of dice, and then you roll, and then you see what happens, and then crazy stuff might happen anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, this is so great. I love yeah. It's so simple, mm-hmm. but there's so many different options and branching paths on this thing. 100%. Like, it, it's exactly what it is. It really is telling the story and telling you how your ter- how your character learns how his life goes almost, right? Because um, you have to pick a unit that did not participate in the battle, which, number one, you have to have units that don't participate in the battle, which is important. Um, and then they become a scout unit, and then they make an expedition role. So you actually have to intentionally play games lower than the points limit of your order of battle, Mm -hmm. which is something that we've kind of played around with on our podcast. But I like that it's now a mechanic, right? Oh, yeah. And then you can re-roll the die if the scout unit has a move of 12 inches or more. Like, okay, super cool, right? Like, literally no point except we're going to try and make it as flavorful and fluffy as we can. I know fluffy is a bad word. But like <laughs> legit, that's exactly what they're doing and saying, okay, uh, if you pick an actual scout, we're going to reward you for it, right? And yeah, there are some other great ones that like do something like that. Because if you roll your die, there's a chance you could roll the mountains. And if you come up to the mountains and you can't fly, oh, well, that sucks. Go home. It's great. It, it, it's fantastic, right? Like, it's like, okay. I know that you're playing a narrative game and we're developing a story, but you know what? You're playing in Gur, and in Gur, bad stuff just happens, right? <laughs> so sometimes you just chose the wrong unit to go scouting, right? right? But at the same time, right, if you can't fly, nothing happens, and mountains are super rough for, fly, for non-flying units, right? But then you can also um, five... Swamp, roll the die. On a three plus, gain one renown. Yeah. On a one, you have swamp gas and you suffer damage. <laughs> on a two, you fight Trogoths. Oh, crap. <laughs> I was just scouting. Uh-huh. I didn't expect to have a whole Trogoth infestation. Oh, crap. Now what do I do? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. yeah and then you, you roll to fight the Trogoths, which is great. Yeah. Uh, and there's a chance where you can like suffer casualties or defeat the trogoth like it (laughs) just based on a few random rolls you just had an adventure for these units and well and you nailed uh, it right there will when you said you had an adventure right like a lot of players at least in the u.s have kind of like have an awareness of what fantasy is because of dungeons and dragons yep 
a lot of players in the UK or abroad might have an awareness of what adventure is because they've played hero quest. Mm. And you know what? This little chart, this little simple addition that literally is just kind of fun. And you actually have to work pretty hard to actually use to me embodies the designer saying, yeah, we know we want, you want to just kind of roll on tables and have fun, but you also want to go adventuring. Well, here's how you adventure in Age of Sigmar. And we're going to give you rules to adventure specifically in the place that we're playing now. And it's going to be funny. It's going to be interesting. And it's also going to be risky. And why not? Because it's fun. Like, which is why Scouting Expeditions is my number one super favorite thing about this book. Oh, for sure. Because it's so simple, so easy, so easy to ignore, but adds so much to your narrative adds so much to your story it's gonna it it does so much because it allows someone to tell the story of like hey since we played last game i had sent my hobgrats on a scouting expedition uh i sent uh thram and his and the hobgrats slit is out there and check this they were going they came into the wild woods and then they were ambushed by angry spites Mm -hmm. so all my little dudes were running around being attacked and they ended up uh like running away and like mechanically they rolled a bunch of die and nothing happened. Yeah. Story-wise the per like those people, the part of their army had this adventure and mm-hmm. it's great. Well, but not only do they have the adventure, right? One of the things is what I really enjoy of what this does is, is it allows you to create a story against armies that aren't in your path to glory league mm-hmm. right oh i went and fought a trogoth let me tell you if i send one of my units on a scouting expedition and he encounters trogoths and he slays them i am getting a bit from trogoths and just going on his base <laughs> because that guy is ba because he literally went one-handed to go and just split some trogoths <laughs> out like are you kidding me how amazing is that? Like, that's a fantastic story. Yeah. And I would totally put a trophy on his base for that. Yeah, so, like, if a unit goes to the Barons and they kill a Gargant... Oh. Like... Oh, yeah. I'm going to then go on a quest to turn that unit champion into an Anvil of Apotheosis hero. Because and they're going to be Gargant Slayer. Exactly. Right? It literally just gives you the opportunity to explore the craziness of the background and also like do some fun, cool stuff for your character. And that to me, when you can add one page, one chart, and it can really inspire Mm. you with good reason to do this super cool stuff. Like, Oh my goodness. Have you earned your pay as a games designer, but also like you've made this game that much more fun, but without, and this is the specific amazing point you haven't made it more complicated no because it's aftermath this is not while the game happens i don't have to make more decisions of what's going on or worry about trying to achieve an objective in order to get this because it happens afterwards and after i've played a game and after i've had fun and after i've had my story you know what i get i get more story and how cool is that oh it's so good so good yeah it's it's a great call right before we move on like it's step three of the aftermath, which is mm-hmm. one of the steps you do 
when you're still next, like some of the aftermath phase you can do at home. Yep. This is the step you do when you're still at the table with your opponent. So mm-hmm. they're there. They get to they get to see the die rolls and they get to be there when this story is made. Mm-hmm. So you get to share it. It's great. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it just creates so much many more stories. So I, I feel like I've over uh, indulged in no how much thing. I love scouting <laughs> expeditions. So I think we should move on to some of the battle plans that are in this battle pack. Yeah. So will um, I want to talk about show of strength because that's the only one I can remember. <laughs> Fair enough. But I, I bet you may be able to remember one of the other battle plans. This is true. Well, and one interesting thing before I call out the one, what I really enjoy is that there's almost a theme in all of these battle plans that I think you're going to talk about when we get to show of strength, mm-hmm. the the victory conditions. And the prior battle pack with all the different battle plans, we had very narrative ways to play all with different ways to win those games. But here, even though each battle plan is still super narrative and mm-hmm. amazing stories setting up, it is a little bit more even in how you win, which is most of them include killing more points worth of units than your opponent does. Wait, wait, wait. So what you're saying is if I have more kill points than my opponent, then I win? You win at the very least a minor victory, but to get that major, you need to play into the narrative, which is so great. So, so just to be like super clear here, I was just listening to AOS Coach, which mm. shout out to AOS Coach. He does an yeah. amazing job covering all the match play. And every once in a while, he allows me to come on his channel and spew <laughs> my narrative all over the place. Um, but he was talking about how there are no scenarios right now in match play that deal with kill points. Yeah. But you know who has scenarios that deal with kill points? Who? Narrative. Narrative does because at the end of the day, it's still a war game. At the end of the day, you still want to be a better fighter than your opponent. And that's how you win the game. So super fun, like all in on that. So Will, which scenario in particular out of this battle plan are you like all in on? I am all in on open the vault. Ooh. Uh, I'm always a bit biased towards vaults uh, because <laughs> because you were year... a safe cracker in a previous life. Exactly. Uh, yeah, okay, and cool. last year I participated in the animosity campaigns <laughs> and I joined the faction of people that have vaults. Yeah. Uh, so it just like elicits a knee jerk reaction of like, open the vault. Fair. In my <laughs> head, it is. we're going to say, and last year I literally went and robbed the bank and we cracked the vault. But then you didn't go there. <laughs> but I still laughed because I thought oh. it was funny. Dang so it. I apologize. <laughs> if only. <laughs> um, yeah, open the vault. What it is is that there is, uh, you set up a train feature in the center of the battlefield called the vault, and the everyone's going to be fighting over it. But the problem is with all good vaults, there must be a guardian. Through no and... vault of their own, there must be a guardian. <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> uh, I have to go. Oh, oh so crap. We haven't finished the review yet. I, I better settle down. <laughs> Thank you for following <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for following the path of story. Uh, um, go ahead. Yeah, so uh, you can have either an endless spell or an incarnate guard this vault. And your fight is you're pretty much trying to 
get past the guardian to control the vault and you need to get a one of your heroes to open the vault itself mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day whoever controls the vault wins mm-hmm. uh, if it's open you get a major victory if it's closed you get a minor victory but if no one controls it uh you get a draw yep uh, and it's just a if you think about it, it's just as simple as it's a one objective battle plan, mm-hmm. super simple version from what you would see in match play, yep. but just filled to the brim with all these narrative goodies. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to uh, hear, like, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying like there, there's already a story. You're breaking into a vault. You've got these guardians. You have to crack it open. You have to buy time. Uh, despite the fact that it is just, Kind of a, a simple objective game. Mm-hmm. You know, this sounds really familiar to me. Did How you know so? That? Well, it's almost like Gordrak, mm. before he went and fought at Excelsis, he was supposed to grab three artifacts. Do you remember yes. this? I do remember. He was supposed to score a major victory at a vault. He was supposed to score a major victory at a vault, but you know what? He failed. And then he failed to actually bring down Excelsis. So for me, this is super cool because it literally ties into the narrative of Broken Realms where Gordrak was like, I need to go and take a Storm Vault. Oh crap, I failed to defeat the Guardians of the Storm Vault. (laughs) Right? But here we have rules to allow Guardians of the Storm Vault that are endless spells or incarnates and it's super narrative super fun but also anybody can imagine i'm gonna go and do a bank heist and this is gonna be super fun oh yeah and y'all are gonna watch me be super awesome at breaking into a bank right like who doesn't (laughs) want to do that so what i'm hearing is gordrak lost the battle plan and he couldn't complete his quest for the artifact what I'm hearing is that Gordrak <laughs> tried to be Ocean's Eleven, but failed miserably and instead turned in. No, that's an insult and I won't go there. Yes, exactly. Will, whatever you said, absolutely true. I'm going to shut up now and you go on. <laughs> well, my going on was just to hand it over to you to talk about Show of Strength. Oh, crap. That was like a, a segue that failed miserably. <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to hop back on uh, that two-wheeled device, lean forward and hope for the best. Um, I am totally going for Show of Strength. Uh, So Show of Strength is the one that we played, and I love this scenario. I picked this scenario for us to play (laughs) because it's just a little fun, super Fondia scenario. So Show of Strength is just basically a straight-up fight. You get a minor victory if you kill more than your opponent, but if your general is still alive, then you get a major victory. Yep. So it was an easy scenario for us to kind of understand because, number one, it's basically kind of a, this is how a battle would go for anybody that's kind of read how a lot of (laughs) battles went, right? If you killed more than your opponent, but your general survived, you won the battle. Um, And one of the things is that you can add the monster ability into any of these scenarios, which is what we did in our game. Yeah. Um, and it, it can add a little bit more Thondia flavor, but like, oh my goodness, is it gratifying to just see, just go beat your opponent. If your general lives, sweet. You won all the things. Cause that's kind of what matters. Yeah. 
because that's how your army organizes itself. I like the little paragraph of narrative before it introduces the rules is my favorite because it says the place of this battle is not one of strategic importance. Instead, <laughs> the goal is simple. Like there's there's narrative in saying that it's not special. Yeah. You're acknowledging that this is just a fight to see who's good at fighting. And this Why is Thondia, we... so of yeah. course. Yeah. Why are we fighting here? Because this is where we ended up. Yeah. Because this is where our, our armies cross paths. We're That's fighting it. here because here's where we are. Exactly. Because uh, of the whims of fate. All right. Now, yeah. Will. Will. Now. We got something exciting coming up. I don't know if you're excited about it. I'm super excited. Are you like, I need to hear how excited you are about this. I, I'm going to go with nine out of 10 excitement. Ooh, nine out of 10 excitement. Nine out of 10. And I'll I'll explain, I'll explain where the missing one is coming from. All right. Uh, I'm going to tweet at Sam about it, but (laughs) we, we are officially done with the path to glory battle pack. Mm -hmm. We are now moving into the anvil. Of Apotheosis yes. Edition. Yes. The it's like Gerite a, Anvil. It's NCIS Miami. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's yeah. the rest of the story. <laughs> but my sunglasses are made of amber stone, and all I see is monsters all over the place. <laughs> um, so, Paul, mm-hmm. tell me about all of the changes in the new Anvil of Apotheosis. So, like, what are we dealing with? There aren't actually a ton of changes per se. Basically what they've done is they said Anvil of Apotheosis was cool, which I agree. Anvil of Apotheosis is awesome. Yes. Um, so why would you not play Anvil of Apotheosis? But then the other thing that they did is they said, look, not only is this cool, but we're going to like make it Gur themed. So we're going to mm-hmm. add a couple of abilities that allow you to manipulate or affect monsters a little bit more. Because we're in Gur, so of course we're going to have stuff that affects monsters. But also, we're going to fix any of the little things that may have been a problem the previous time we released Anvil because we get a second shot at being able to release it. Yep. Right? And so one of those things is they put all of the army-wide, battle tome-wide keywords in all of their unit entries, which is a significant upgrade from what they did before. Just because I, I think Sam was more just like, this is a fun thing. Why would we not do this? And now I think he realizes how much we want this. Yep. Right? Well, yeah. And what's interesting, because I, I went through this line by line to mm-hmm. get as many changes as possible. Yes. And in, in the previous version, they had started doing that, like mm-hmm. army-wide stuff. The, the thing is, there have just been so many different armies that have come out mm-hmm. that they just needed to start from scratch. Otherwise, we, we would just get White Dwarf or Warcom updates that would just be like, add, add army to thing. Yeah, well, and not only that, but when Anvil Apotheosis came out, it wasn't for everything. Nope. It was only for some armies. And then they did yeah. some White Dwarf updates for some other armies. And there was a little bit of changes that happened between the, the initial release and the white dwarf updates. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to see those like rewritten. And yes, we have now official rules and they're in a book, even though 
come on people like we can read rules and we can agree with our opponent that these are the ways that we're playing and it's okay it doesn't need to be exactly perfect it's still fun to see it nice and in writing and to see that like games workshop has given us the ability to have something that we don't need to argue with and it's very clear and very understandable for how we run anvil of apotheosis yeah so i'm all in on that one other thing that I think is super cool, because this is just an updated version of like basic Amble of Apotheosis with GUR options. And because of that, if you were one of the armies lucky enough to get like a faction specific anvil, I'm thinking uh, the Destruction Anvil, the Anvil of Blood, uh, the Anvil of Death, mm-hmm. I see no reason why it still doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Like, Sure, it was written with the 2.0 rules in mind, but there aren't that many changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no reason that you can't maintain your Anvil of Blood vampire hero mm-hmm. into uh, the third edition. Exactly. Yeah, let's go through and kind of take a look at some of the updates. Uh, so first section is Ancestries. Mm-hmm. And the the updates here are really bringing things into line for your factions. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like mortals, they added Haydenites of Slanesh because that didn't exist <laughs> uh, when the book came out. They added Cruel Boys, Oryx. They've added just like one or two other things to bring things in line. The only issue, and this is why I'm 9 out of 10 excited, is there's mm-hmm. no Hopgrot race entry. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know... I'll reach out, have my people contact their people, see if we can get that fixed. Other than that, it's phenomenal. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there's no Spider Fang Allegiance name on there, so like I'm kind of loyal. I mean, I didn't expect there to be, but it's not there. Right. So yeah, I'm I'm totally there with you. So good, we're we're in agreement. <laughs> uh, next, we hop on over to the armory, uh, the weapons that you can give your hero. Mm-hmm. And literally nothing has changed. Um, literally it, nothing. It's got. It's even got the same like picture on the page as in the previous edition. Mm-hmm. Really cementing that they are just trying to keep things in line. When we get to archetypes, is where things start to change a little bit. Yep. Uh, so we still have the same three archetypes: commander, acolyte, and mage. But the options that are available to them are now Mm -hmm. Gur-themed. So the commander now has uh, two different command traits they can pick from. One allows them to do either forward to victory or the all-out attack command without spending a point, which is great. And then the other is a Beastmaster. Essentially, they can give a benefit to their mount, uh, which is awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. Very thematic of like someone from Gur reinforcing their their bond beast. Also, who doesn't want to rename their character having an ability that's reminiscent of an '80s fantasy schlock right? film? You're the Beastmaster, baby. Exactly. You're the Beastmaster. Who doesn't want to be the Beastmaster? All right, I'll shut up. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, next is for the acolyte. There are now two different prayers. Uh, there's Fury of Gur. Uh, which just you know deals damage, and then there's Tame Beast, where you can pick an enemy monster and make it so they cannot carry out a monstrous rampage, Ooh. which is so good. Oh, so it, good! 
it's both like super useful mm-hmm. and then still super narrative. Yeah. And then for the archetype mage, we've kind of got three, four new spells, which yeah. is super fun. Um, and then from there, we kind of move on to the companions, which is something we had in the old Anvil of Apotheosis. Yep. There hasn't been a ton of changes done, um, but they're there. It's You're, you're going to know what's happening. So that conversion that I made for my Caradron Overlord-themed Gropback <laughs> Scuttler's Army, totally all in, because he's totally got better, and I want to run him on the table, because why not? <laughs> Right. Um, and then you also have characteristics and enhancements and abilities. So those are all things that you had before for Anvil of Apotheosis. Yep. So if you're used to that, it's exactly the same. If you're not used to that, it's completely brand new and fantastic. And nobody said anything different ever. <laughs> exactly. They didn't change because they didn't need to change. Exactly. It, I mean, in, in general, a lot of this stuff works super well because it is just simple fun engaging stuff um it it is you know it's a character creator right so if you're going to play a dnd if we're going to use that as the the comparison that we're making right like i would caution you to move you into soulbound a little bit more because it works a lot better if you're making that comparison oh right um but functionally what you do is you have a base stat and then you can augment that base stat by paying points um which is why the soulbound approximation is super apt because that works super fun and super well um, but you can do that for your character and you can also do that for your beast mount but then of course it costs more points but yep. the more points that your guy costs like the super much more fun cooler does he become yeah and this is not in the book but Ooh. if if you want to like do some character progression and figure out how renown converts into uh, destiny points, right? There, You might be able to find some stuff online that'll help you figure out how that works for your army. Would you agree with me, Will? I would. Yeah. So, and I was going to say, there, there are, like, you can gain points for your heroes, like, in this game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also have the, the Path to Glory quests, so there, there is definitely a way to even if you're not doing the Thandia battle pack, mm-hmm. uh, there are a lot of cool ways to, to bring these Anvil of Apotheosis heroes into mm-hmm. your other games. All right. So one thing I'm going to mention here, we're going to close out pretty soon. Yep. Is that fair, Will? That is um, 100%. There is another narrative battle pack that we're kind of not talking about. Not because yes. it's not cool and amazing and fantastic, but because... There's really nothing that we can add to it besides to tell you exactly what it is. And what it is, is if you read the lore for the first part of the book, which let me talk about the fact that I love the design of the way that this book is laid out because it reminds me so much of the monstrous um, compendium that was from Forge World back in the day because we have this alternating storyline between one viewpoint and another viewpoint. And then you get these like kind of journal pages that are scattered in, in the middle. And then you get these um, taxidermy, um, zoology, hmm. little oh, okay. things that are inserted in these journal page updates as well, which was totally in keeping with the way that they did the old Forge World books. And wow, did I love seeing that that theme come back in. Um, yeah, it, it, it was a fun way of telling the story. 
And so the second narrative battle pack allows you to play through that story that you just read, right? So if you bought Dominion, you were able to play through the Amberstone Watch campaign because you had all the models, right? Right. So in Dominion 2, Incarnate <laughs> Boogaloo, you need a whole lot more models than just the stuff that's in the box because oh, there's yeah. no actual army models in the box. But if you're one of those players that has everything and it's just like, I want to see what I can do and have some fun, like this is exactly the battle pack for you because it functionally runs you through the campaign that they talked about in the book and tells you which units to use, which armies to use, what you need to actually use. And also, hey, you know what? If you want to play this story, but you don't have these models, figure out with your opponent and you can make it work because, yeah. you know, that's that's what we do in narrative. The the other cool thing that it has is unique War Scroll battalions for the armies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you get additional abilities to make the battle even more like the narrative, which is super awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, who doesn't want that? So in summary, like Fondia, how super fun, awesome, amazing, cool was it? I loved it. This book, if if you play narrative games, mm-hmm. this book is really going to open up uh, the possibilities for you. And if you mm-hmm. don't play narrative games, what are you doing? Yeah, come on, get it, get in the game. Um, but also, if you love Dominion, right? Mm. This is Dominion 2.0. Pick it up. Find out what happened with those characters from Dominion as they move forward into this new timeline, right? Like. Even if all you you do is you you bought into AOS 3.0 and you're, you're like, these are cool, right? Well, here's your story for how those guys move forward. And it's fun. Like, it's engaging and it's something worth reading for sure. Um, and, like, yeah. The, the promise that was given in AOS 3.0 with the core handbook saying, hey, hey buddies, I know it says that it's Path to Glory, but it's totally not Path to Glory. It's a new Path to Glory, and the new Path to Glory is amazing, right? We had to spend a lot of time. Will and I, I think, both had to spend a lot of time <laughs> talking to other people and be like, no, 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 I know you think you know what's going on, but like, it's something totally different now, and that totally different is actually absolutely amazing. Now, in Thondia, we got to not only have amazing, but we get to add more amazing to that. Um. I'm not somebody who's going to be like, everything is absolutely fantastic and everything is great if it's not my cup of tea. But almost everything in this book really allows you to build that narrative, gives you more resources, more ways to play exactly what you already want to play to begin with if you're a narrative gamer. Yeah. So it is more than I could have imagined was possible, right? When AOS 1.0 dropped, with the GHB, and they said, oh, by the way, there are three ways to play. We have match play, narrative, and open play. I went, oh my goodness, somebody finally said it. (laughs) Somebody finally said that match play is not the only way to play, and you can play narrative gaming, right? But for me, when 3.0 dropped and they said, you know what, we're going to let you play narrative gaming, but we're also going to give you a good rule set, not that the original Path to Glory wasn't good, but it really required a lot of models and and a random dice roll to determine how your collection collated 
into a list. And for me, that is not how I develop my narrative. I develop my narrative by making a cool story and then using that story to determine what happens moving forward. Well, Path to Glory in 3.0 really gives you the tools to be able to do that. So this is where GW said, yes, narrative, yes, here's how we do it, right? And maybe I'm just like super high and encouraged (laughs) based on running the Gibbering Dome two weeks ago. But oh my goodness, does this fulfill the promise that the rule set made me think was possible when 3.0 dropped? Would you, you think that's fair, Will? I think it's super fair. Yeah. So like I'm all in on Thondia. I'm all in on like this new campaign book that we've never seen before. I'm all in that we're starting to see a lot of what Crusade has done really well pour into the Age of Sigmar uh, space and and pour it in a really interesting and fascinating way. Yeah. So, all right. I, I probably wax lyrical <laughs> for forever and cut you off completely from talking. So, Will, no. your turn. I, I was just going to say, like, I, I'm extremely excited to play with what is in this book as it is i'm also super excited to see what the narrative aos community does with these new levers that have been presented to us i i cannot wait to see the like outposts for people settings that give them their special abilities uh the different scouting expeditions and like hearing the different stories that are going to come out of this it's going to be exciting I I really cannot wait to see like the the Twitter feed just explode with people posting about the cool stuff that happened in their mm-hmm. narrative games. Well, and and the other thing is something that this book did not deliver mm. but delivers the promise that it will, right? Which is yes. this book exists. Which means there's got to be a second. There's yep. got to be a third. Like, we know what outposts are now. And you've told us that you can only have one mm-hmm. per stronghold level. That means you're planning on second. That means you're planning on third. Oh my goodness. Is this amazing and exciting to be able to be here to watch while this happens? Because, yes, please, more. Go all in. Thank you very much. Please and thank you. Exactly. And. If you want to fill my Twitter feed with delicious narrative tidbits, <laughs> you can find me online at Severalon on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, where can they find you? They can find me at PJ Shard. You can also chat with us on Discord at themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Was that themortalrealms.com slash Discord? No, it was themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Oh, okay, cool. Thank you for clarifying. All right. Well, thank you, Paul, and thank you all for listening to our amblings on the road. We hope to see you along the path. It's a path to story, an AOS narrative, so it's a path to